Okay, welcome to the Opperman Report. I am your host, private investigator Ed Opperman. Uh, this show is brought to you by Audible.com. You go to audibletrial.com front slash Opperman Report. You sign up for free, you get yourself a free audio book, and it helps to support the show. Uh, this is one of our special broadcasts uh, that will be available in our archives on OppermanReport.com. Uh, it'll be available on iHeart.com. It'll be available on uh, Spreaker.com, uh, YouTube, and then we're going to put it into rotation on all the stations that replay our normal Friday night show. It's going to go on uh, uh, Para-X, which is CBS Radio, Saturday nights. Not tonight, maybe next week. Uh, it'll be on Penny Entertainment on Sunday mornings, uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, it'll be on Late Night in the Midlands on Tuesdays. Uh, at 4 o'clock. It'll be on High Point Radio, which is AM, FM, and uh, over in, um, uh, where is it, New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. And it'll also be on FPRN Radio uh, Monday to Friday. We that, This show could play throughout the whole week if it gets on FPRN. Uh, it's every day Monday to Friday, uh, 10 a.m. Uh, East Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Okay. Uh, we're, we're doing a, a quick show. You know, like a kind of an emergency kind of broadcast. Maybe we should have one of those emergency broadcast alerts. <laughs> you know, one of those, uh, you know. Uh, but the thing is, because William Ramsey, who's a friend of the show, great guy. Uh, he's been on here three or four times at least. Uh, and I'd love to have him more often. He's the author of Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders. Now, uh, he's uncovered some startling new information uh, about uh, Damien Eccles. And his background and uh, something he's been denying for years, but now we got him. Uh, we got him dead cold. Uh, before we get to our guest, I just want to point out one a little bit of confusion going on out there. A lot of people who wanted to listen to tonight's show uh, were concerned that it was going to be in the members only section. We have this new members section uh, for subscription where we do new shows and we have new content in that section. Uh, now, a, a show like this. We're not going to have in the member section, okay? We're trying to get information out to you. It's important, okay? It's like an emergency broadcast that we want to get to your breaking news. Uh, like uh, we had a situation with the Mumia Abu uh, Jamal uh, this week, and we wanted to get that information out to you urgently. Uh, tomorrow night, I'm doing a show with a, a local cop who had a fascinating story. He wrote a book uh, about a local guy who was uh, trying to track down this uh, repeat offender here in Vegas. So there's a lot of free shows we're doing extra besides the Friday night show. And we're able to get these shows out to you. They get on the archives. They get in the uh, YouTube and Spreaker and iHeart, and they get out there. The shows we're doing in the member section are a whole different deal. These are extra shows we're doing. It's new content. Uh, this week, I'm interviewing Heidi Fleiss. Uh, I'm also interviewing Scott Thorson, who was uh, Liberace's boyfriend. He was also Michael Jackson's boyfriend, and he was also involved in the Wonderland murders. Uh, for the archive section, for the member section, I'm interviewing um, uh, Freebury Rick Ross. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a lot of stuff. Now, I don't have the list in front of me right now, but we have a whole list of shows that we're doing in there. Uh, David Shirt is coming back. I'm doing a ton of shows about Ted Gunderson. I'm doing a whole series on Ted Gunderson. Everybody who ever knew Ted Gunderson or lived with Ted Gunderson or worked with Ted Gunderson, I'm interviewing all these people and we're getting it in there. So just to clarify the confusion, we, the member section is for those produced shows that I record during the afternoon that we're going to put in the member section. They're special shows. Uh, the Friday night show is free forever. Uh, that's always going to be free, and it's going to be replayed on all the stations. And uh, public service shows like this and Ramona Africa. And uh, we just had another one recently. I can't remember. And But like stuff like this uh, will go on uh, as we can 
and broadcast as we can uh, news and updated information. Uh, but it's the membership, the support we get from the membership section that can afford us the time and money to do this for you. So we're here tonight. Uh, William Ramsey has been doing some work, and he came up with some information that's just mind-blowing. Uh, William, are you there? I am. Thanks for having me back, Ed. Dude, man, I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I really do, man. I love talking to you off the air. I just love you so much. You have no idea. So uh, tell us about your book and how you got involved in this whole craziness. Well, you know, my first book was Prophet of Evil, which which went through and kind of detailed Aleister Crowley's life in the context of the 9-11 event. And so I had an interest in Aleister Crowley. I didn't really know much about him before I had written the book, uh, I think, five years now. So I was writing a second book, which I'm close to completing, which is Children of the Beast. People, Aleister Crowley is, has influence. And I came across a clip online of the West Memphis Three uh, trial, and it involved Aleister Crowley. There was a copy of Magic and Theory and Practice on the desk of the prosecutor, and the prosecutor, prosecutor was asking one of the main or the main figure of the West Memphis Three, Damian Eccles, questions about Aleister Crowley. So that kind of uh, piqued my interest. I knew that there was a dispute as to you know, publicly about whether he was guilty or innocent, and so I really researched it myself, and I found that there was tons of occult uh, influences in the case and on the individuals who were uh, in the case, the West Memphis Three, and that led me to write a book about that, which is uh, abomination, devil worship, and deception in the West Memphis Three murders. And uh, so that kind of got me involved, and I really took a really broad view of the case. I tried to read every book, every see every video. I really tried to see all the perspectives of the variety of individuals involved, and uh, my conclusion uh, really was that occultism was heavily involved in the case and that the West Memphis Three were justly found guilty of the crime. Well, okay. No, yeah, definitely they were justly found guilty. They confessed several times over and over again. Forget it. That's a, <laughs> the, the amount of admissions in this case is just remarkable. True. Um, Post-conviction as well, true. Yeah, and they pled guilty. Correct. They, but, and they pled guilty in uh, 2011 using an Alford plea, which is still a guilty plea. So they wrote on a piece of paper, I am found guilty, and they pled guilty to first-degree murder. Absolutely. Now, the thing is, um, there's an aspect to this case, though, okay, um, that involves uh, so many people uh, for so many years. I've been following this case from the start since, like, 96 on Usenet. Uh, I was following this case every single day. got involved with these nuts. Um, but now um, the aspect of the occult involvement and the, the satanic worship involvement and the involvement of Alistair Crowley and the OTO uh, has been in dispute and kind of downplayed even by the people who think that the uh, were aware that the, the three are guilty. Yes, that is very true. But what's the significance? Okay, who cares? Hey, so what if these guys are devil worshippers and they drink blood and, you know, then they kill dogs and they, they hang up their skulls in their room, you know, and they set fires and they, and they uh, uh, do rituals? So what? William, so what? Well, I think it, I think it has an incredible impact upon the people who are watching the case and, and just, uh, you know, how it's affected so many people. So many people have donated money and time and all these celebrities involved, but the, the occult element of it is really one of the most remarkable and repulsive aspects of the case. And I think that it shows that if these three are lying and got out of jail and they're still involved, which the evidence shows they're still involved in occultism, uh, they're really a danger to, uh, you know, danger. They're dangerous out on the street, in my opinion. Okay, so let's get into this. What have you just uncovered 
in the past 24 hours or the past two days? I got some information from a friend online that uh, Damien Eccles had donated some of these books that he had collected over time in jail. He had donated them to an OTO chapter in Arkansas. Uh, he had taken these books, and they had actually made a specific library in that OTO chapter under his name. So it was uh, called the Damien Eccles Library in the Sol Invictus Oasis, which is an OTO chapter. And uh, so I, that, you know, I wanted to find evidence of that. So I started researching, and under one of those OTO chapters, they basically said flat out that Damien Eccles identifies himself as a Thelemite, and he is registered with the OTO in a prison chapter. So he is definitely a member of Crowley's secret society, the OTO, and considers himself a Thelemite, which was never really ever publicly stated or verified until uh, recently or last night. Right. He's been claiming recently at the time of his marriage and at the time when he first got out of prison, he was a Buddhist. And uh... Correct. He was a Japanese uh, Buddhist, I think in the Shinto tradition or something like that. That was his public statement. And when he married his wife, who, by the way, has not been seen for over six months, uh, when he married her, it was a, a Buddhist ceremony. The the, the Shinto tradition? Uh, the Renzai Shinto? I can't remember it exactly, but it's some Japanese Buddhist, uh, you know, subgroup it, it, of Buddhists. Is know. that akin to being full of Shinto? Yes. A lot of people actually believed it because he had the external trappings of um, that type of religious, uh, you know, group. So... Uh, they really believed it, but, you know, in Crowley's system, all human knowledge can be, you know, put together and still, you can still be an occultist. So, you know, Crowley himself was interested in Buddhism and um, all kinds of Eastern type style religions. Okay, so let's get, let's get some details here. What is the OTO? So the OTO was, it actually started in Germany. It's called the Ordo Templi Orientis. It is a, uh, it was a post- mason masonic kind of uh, organization they they took masons but they had very um they they tried to accumulate as much and all occult knowledge as possible in germany and, and the head of the oto visited crowley in london and made him the head of the oto in uh, of england and uh, they he uh this guy's name was uh, uh royce and he had similar ideas as crowley they realized that rituals um, could be more effective using sexual techniques, and they both basically found it at the same time. In time, the German head died, and Crowley became head of the OTO in 1925 until his death in 1947. So he ruled over all the OTO all over the world, kind of with an iron fist. And the main OTO chapter in the United States up until his death was the OTO chapter, the Agape Lodge, which was headed by eventually headed by um, Jack Parsons in Pasadena. Yeah, we were just discussing Jack Parsons last night, yeah. Now, um, okay, so now, uh, that's the OTO. Now, what is a Thelmite? A Thelmite. So, basically, um, Crowley really believed in the power of the human will. And the the Greek word for the will was Thelema. So, um, he had a abbey of Thelema, which was his abbey of the will, which is in Italy. Um, and the term that was used for followers of Crowley uh, around the world now is called Thelemites. That's another term for a believer in Crowley's system. Okay, and, and, you know, let me ask you a question. 
I'll take the the devil's advocate, okay? Oh. <laughs> oh, so what? Crowley, you know, what is so bad about Crowley? He influenced all these musicians and these rock stars, and they did backwards masking and all. They never did. Crowley ever kill anybody? Did he ever uh, advocate killing anybody? Crowley, you know, he had his book called Libra Oz, which is uh, book seventy-seven, which advocated the the total freedom of the individual and anybody who got within those rights should be destroyed. Um, so he had that, and I think that he was extremely nasty. The Book of the Law, which he received in 1904 in Egypt, basically advocated that, like, be at their necks, rip out their eyes. Um, you know, this is the law, law and love of the world, is to destroy your enemies, basically, to paraphrase it. So I believe Crowley, Crowley was extremely nasty, and I think uh, people that he's influenced went on to do those kind of uh, evil behaviors. Um, and... You know, he believed in kind of these vicious rituals, which were uh, anti-Christian. Uh, he and, and I believe that his ideas influenced the events of 9/11. So, and that's kind of my general thesis of the Prophet of Evil book. So, I do think Crowley was evil, and I, I believe that uh, he thought he was the prophet of a new aeon, and he was also the prophet of Awas, this being or entity that he received uh, the Book of the Law from. Um, so. Uh, I do believe that Crowley, all Christians and all people should understand uh, what Crowley believed and what his followers will act upon uh, the beliefs that he set, set out. So um, he, uh, he just advocated such total freedom that there aren't really any, he didn't, there aren't any kind of moral restraints. And uh, that means uh, unbridled sex, drug use. Um, and you know whatever comes goes along with that. And a lot of his followers went mad. Some committed suicide. Um, he punched one of his scarlet women, who he branded on the chest with the mark of the beast, like a literal brand, like you would brand an animal. Uh, he hit, punched one in the face and broke her skull. Uh, so you know Crowley's Crowley's effect upon the 20th century, I think, has been uh, pretty vast and, and altogether in many ways uh, negative. Now, now, were there other any other followers of Crowley who uh, went on to commit murder or child sacrifice? The you know people have read Crowley and they've been influenced by Crowley. I don't know uh, you know if you want to get into child sacrifice, you can talk about West Memphis Three, one of the tie-ins. You know, I don't know exactly what happened on the night of the murders on uh, May fifth of nineteen ninety-three, but everything looks in that into a very occult ritual. Eight-year-old kids is what. Crowley advocated having on a full moon. There was blue wax. There was uh, the drowning in water, which is uh, consi uh, consistent with other witch-type rituals uh, by the king of witches. Um, not Gerald Gardner. There was another guy, uh, Alexandrian wit uh, witchcraft, who advocated this kind of sacrifice. So uh, that's one example. Um, Crowley did advocate child sacrifice in Libra 66. He basically alludes to it. Um, that you know the blood shall cover the altar as wine, and then the king, the master shall appear. Basically, Satan shall appear. Um, so, uh, and that's all in veiled language, back in you know Crowley's kind of style of writing. But uh, as far as his followers, there's people who have who have have digested Crowley and and kind of understand Crowley. So you have the Process Church, who some of its main people, who also were uh, associated with Scientology. But they also digested Crowley and, you know, tried to understand what he was up to. Um, they, the, you know, there's tie-ins Crowley to Marilyn Manson, for example. Um, you know, 
So I have these pictures of guys like Marilyn Manson with Damien Eccles. You know, Dan Eccles, for some reason, he has really uh, ingratiated himself with a very famous people. So he's always hanging around. Well, he's, there's pictures of him with Ozzy Osbourne, Damien, uh, Marilyn Manson, Johnny Depp. Um, so, you know, at least in this instance, uh, I think that, you know, Crowley's in impact upon his followers is altogether pretty negative. Okay, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. It seems like a lot of these people, uh, they revere uh, Eccles, and they look up, they, they hero worship him. Well, you can see the, the admiration in their eyes when they're in his presence. Yeah, know? I mean, I have a picture of him with Henry Rollins, and Rollins is just ecstatic. He's yeah. just so happy. It's incredible. It's, he's not faking it at all. And there's an hour and a half interview Rollins did with Eccles where it's just laudatory praise. And he's letting him lie about his prison record and everything without ever questioning, you know, what he's saying. And I know people who have actually, I mean, I'm using Rollins as an example, but who've been in contact with Rollins asking him questions about why he thinks they're innocent. And he really doesn't even come up with it. He just says that it's a kangaroo court yeah. with no evidence of it being a kangaroo court. And so these guys have these bullet points, but that's a whole other issue. But yeah. There's a lot of famous people who really, there's something interesting about him where he's impressed them. I think that because he has such a deep understanding of the occult, somebody else who is in the occult can really appreciate his, his level of like, uh, self-learned scholarship. But and right and, and, and right and, and even he discusses this himself when he was sitting in prison and he was doing these rituals and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean he said he would, he would meditate for five to seven hours a day. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. He actually just, you know, he knows a lot. He put, he, he tweets and puts a lot of information out and he has a lot of followers, believe it or not. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. But, uh, he just put out like, uh, commemorated the receipt of the book of the law on, uh, April 8th, you know, uh, and you know, he basically wrote happy first day of the feast of the first day of the writing of the book of the law, you know, so he's right in track and in tune with being a, you know, hardcore early follower. Now, also, too, uh, his more recent uh, activities, um, he's been involved in tarot card reading. Yep. Been involved in, a, what's that called, Reiki, Reiki healing? Reiki, yeah. That's a Japanese kind of, like, energy work where you kind of lay your hands on people and adjust them. He had an art exhibit that involved human bones, human blood, human yes. hair. And that goes all the way back. You know, he had, you know, testimony from his mother that he kept um, human, uh, he had bones from animals and she actually strain if you read it in my book she's so strange about it like i let him take i got it ready for school i got his right car dog head clean and ready for school like she didn't have any objection to it it was really weird and it shows kind of what he's grown up with. yeah uh, she talks about hanging it from the clothesline in the backyard yeah. yeah so yeah he's been involved in that one of the more interesting things that has happened to him since his release is he actually had um this magic on the mat. Did you hear about that? Yeah, that was, yeah, I remember that yoga kind of so, thing. Go ahead. Yeah, but she, you know, he was involved with this woman named Sean Korn who's really big in the yoga community. And they were doing this kind of um, yoga slash magic thing together. And uh, they were, they had one in New York and they were supposed to have one in Los Angeles. And I think that a lot of people warned uh, that I wasn't involved in this, but there's, you know, a lot of people who know what's kind of going on with Eccles and they, alerted yoga works who was the corporate overhead of kind of what she was up to and they canceled that uh post haste uh wisely canceled it in my opinion but that was really an interesting uh situation where he ingratiated himself with some you know yoga bigwig yeah and there seems to be a 
a network out there uh, that, that's that's tuned into what he's tuned into, and they all support each other. Uh, but but back- yeah, this is true. You know, uh, just to just to interject, yeah. there there. You know, he goes out on a lot of book tours. Apparently, he has just recently said he's on going on one last book tour this summer, which a book I don't know about. But uh, at some, I have pictures of some of his book signings, and most of the people really think that he's innocent. Um, they think that. They believe the myth of the entire court case and that he was just walking down the street wearing black <laughs> and he got arrested and went through 18 years of hell just because he wore a Metallica shirt, Metallica shirt which is nonsense. If you read the court cases at Callahan's uh, 8k.com, I think it shows fairly well that he had a very fair share of, the due, of constitutional due processes. But there's other people who come to those book signings who, in my opinion, I think they know exactly what he's up to. Yeah. And they're hardcore occultists. So he's being seen with, you know, a lot of occultists, modern occultists, and other um, people like Genesis Peorge, who is from um, the Process Church. And, uh, you know, it's pretty disturbing. Okay, now you, you mentioned earlier that the Process Church were, were followers of Crowley. Um, I think they were influenced by him, okay. from what I've read. Both of the, kind of some of the heads who, is Genesis, who are still alive is Genesis Peorge and uh, another guy by the name of Timothy Wiley. Yeah number three in the process both have stated you know they learned from Crowley so it's very common for these occultists to kind of use Crowley as a baseline well you got to remember that uh, you know the process came out of Scientology and Scientology Hubbard was friends you know uh, with uh, Crowley had paintings of Crowley uh, in, in almost every room you, you know I found out last night who had paintings uh, Hubbard Hubbard I didn't know that oh, wow, that's <laughs> interesting so Lerman knew that yeah it's fascinating I mean so you have Hubbard at Parsons, like Parsonage in Pasadena, I have to assume not only did Hubbard know uh, Crowley, but I would assume that he was an OTO member. I think from some of his, you know, what he had gleaned from that, he put into Scientology, this whole grades and these whole levels are very consistent with stuff that Crowley wrote. And uh, he had come across the Book of the Law, Hubbard had, prior to being at that um OTO encampment, the Agape Lodge. He had found a copy of the Book of the Law at the, uh, I think it was at the National Library, actually, in Washington, D.C. And very interesting. And also, too, uh, uh, we had discussed this, you and I, uh, but uh, Kinsey uh, had also uh, visited uh, uh, Crowley's... um, Abia Philema, that's correct. Right, another one, and, and he he, he would, paid he paid he he would, he was really in the market to find Crowley's diaries. So I think that actually the Kinsey Institute has a very viable or uh, important element of Crowley's history in in his diaries. Right, and and I found out from a Judith Reisman, who's a fascinating woman. I love this woman, uh, who uh, told me that uh, Kenneth Anger. Uh, one of the founders of the Church of Satan was used to hang out in Kinsey's attic uh, and make films up there. Yeah, there's 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 uh, there is actually evidence. Uh, there's still video of him in bed in one of Kinsey's experiments, like coming in and out of bed, which I saw on a uh, a video. Gosh, I can't remember. It's one of the Chris Pinto's videos. Well, he not only that too, but also too that uh, in the Kinsey Institute in the library, they have all the letters and correspondence between Kinsey and Anger. Uh, so it's it's a you know it's a revered you know it's a <laughs> it's held in high esteem. My God, what is going on out there? Now, uh, by the way, to Judith Rison said we can go then down any time we want and go through her whole library and look through all her stuff. Okay, you and me got to get a plane ticket one day and get down there, man. You know, <laughs> right, we'll get a Kickstarter campaign. Going. Hey, get our thumbs out, man! Hitchhike down there because we have an invite. 
Okay. Um, I thought you immediately, you know, when uh, I got that invitation. Well, you know, I'm still tracking down pieces of Crowley all over the world. You know, I've been to some of the holdings in Texas. I've been to some in uh, UCLA. So I really, you know, it was very important for me to kind of see the original documents because it really gives you a, a much better perspective than kind of other what I consider to be biased uh, biographies by people who are his admirers, which I'm not. So now, st- sticking in the, in the current time, again with Eccles, uh, you, you mentioned this woman, uh, woman uh, this uh, um, individual, uh, Genesis P. Orridge, uh, right. who was a member of the Process Church of the Final Judgment, which is a satanic cult, uh, uh, came out of Scientology, but was also a very, uh, uh, um, I think, um, uh, has been connected through police reports. I've read re- police reports from the uh, um, Immigration Nat- Naturalization Service, INS uh, Department, uh, that connected the Process Church, the Son of Sam cult, uh, to the that murdered those uh, people in New York City and, and all that kind of stuff. I've seen it with my own eyes, police reports. Um, now, Genesis P. Orridge uh, has a... Well, describe first Genesis P. Orridge. Well, he and, was an occultist who came out of England. He was, uh, I think... Always involved in the occult. He started something called the Psychic Group. I, I can't say I know too much, but something called what, the Psychic Group. He was in bands like uh, uh, Throbbing Gristle was the name of one of them. One is Coil. And he's oh, he's had something like he's had spiritual events, something called the Coombe Transmissions. So he's kind of trying to channeling these spirits. He says he met Crowley after Crowley's death, which is very interesting. Um, so... But he um, had to leave England kind of in a, in a rush, and there were allegations that he was making snufflings. Oh, that really? they had had uh, videos of him killing people, and uh, he, I know people who said the guy collects blood and kind of uh, just all kinds of bodily fluids. Like, that's very consistent with kind of witchcraft stuff. But he fled England to go to none other than um, Timothy Leary's archivist, this guy named Horowitz. And so he stayed there, and he's kind of bounced around. I think he's in New York now, but he uh, was once staying with... Dan- Daniel uh, Horowitz? Pardon me? Daniel Horowitz? I think the guy's name is... I forgot his first name, but it's Horowitz. He's the okay. mother... Uh, he's the father of Winona Ryder. Okay, right, okay. So he stayed there, and then he went to... Uh, he started on this project where he, he was going to become an androgyne, or a pandrogyne, where he became... I don't know, a man and a woman with his other, with his wife. Right. And she has uh, passed away, but he is, he has become a he, she, a he slash she. And it's actually somewhat consistent with Crowley's writings where he wrote about uh, Satan being an androgyne. And uh, Genesis Peord says it's a positive androgyne. That's how he refers to himself. So he's a, he's a very uh, peculiar, peculiar character, but he was in a movie actually with Eccles called IRL. It's an independent film, and I have that. All my videos about the West Memphis Three, if people want to kind of go through my videos, they're all located on YouTube at Occult Investigations, all one word. So you, if you type that in, you can kind of go through and see all the information that I've collected about uh, Eccles and Crowley and uh, some of his more modern followers. Yeah, on the Opperman Report blog, uh, blogspot.com, I have a, uh, scans of these documents that William Ramsey just uncovered uh, that confirms 100% that at least in 2007, uh, uh, Damien Eccles was a member of the OTO and that they hit, that this chapter of the OTO had dedicated and named their library after him 
uh, because he had donated all these books. And they describe how do they describe him in glowing terms? Can you describe how they? Uh... Yeah, I mean, they really just uh, really just thought he was something real. He, we can't overstate our gratitude for his incredible generosity. So love to you, brother, and may justice see you home. So he, they really just uh, felt like he was uh, okay, and they actually referred to him as a brother. So um, you know, it's pretty clear. Uh, you know, he says he has become a friend of our oasis. Uh, he has married a lovely and well-respected architect. You know, so they they really do uh, they really do kind of drool over him. It's pretty pretty weird. Now it's kind of interesting because they had a trial with this guy, right? And they asked him about Crowley under oath, on a stand. Now, what did he have to say back in those days? So, on the stand, what, what had happened is he had been... Uh, Eccles knows a lot of the secret languages. He uses a lot of stuff in the Theban language, which is the witch alphabet. But when he, after he'd been arrested, he was uh, scribbling away on a piece of paper in a secret language with a code. And he wrote his own name, his son's name, and Aleister Crowley's name. And the prosecutor really wanted to know, you know... Uh, how much he knew, and so they asked him questions, and he actually got caught um, basically trying to evade the fact that he had written something about Aleister Crowley, and uh, they, you know, you can see this video again on Occult Investigations, I have it kind of pieced out of, or taken out of the Paradise Lost first documentary, but uh, it's very, it's an interesting insight on how the prosecution at the time really believed that he was involved in the occult, and I think it was a correct belief. Oh, yes, I, I would agree with you there as well. But the thing is, now he kind of uh, he played it down, or, or you might even say that he lied about it. Yeah, I would say that he was definitely being evasive. I mean, he tried to evade the fact that he had written down Aleister Crowley, but um, he had said, I think on the stand, if I recollect, he said that, you know, I think the, the prosecutor asked him, so Aleister Crowley believed in human sacrifice, is what he said. And then uh, Eccles responded with, Yes, and he also believed he was a god, which is also true. Crowley believed in that man was God, so uh, that was a belief that he espoused. So he was correct on, on uh, those, those questions and answers. If my memory serves correct, uh, the prosecutor asked him if, if he was a follower of Crowley, and he says, well, I've read his work. You know? Yeah, so, I think you're right. I think he said, I've read uh, all his works or something. Right. Yeah. Okay, listen, we're going to take a commercial break, okay? Um, if you get a chance, go to Opperman Report. Uh, blog. Uh, the I think if you type in the Opperman Report, it comes up right away. Um, the Opperman Report blog, and you'll find a link to these scanned documents that William Ramsey uncovered. Um, incredible work he's done here. You'll also find some links to William Ramsey's books uh, that you can find on air. I'm going to play some uh, uh, commercials, and we'll be right back in about four or five minutes. But William, if we talk during the commercials, the audience will hear us, and they'll hear us uh, uh, talking about them. Okay, so we don't want them to hear us. So we'll be right back after this with more of William Ramsey, his shocking, startling uh, uh, evidence that he's pulled out here, uh, that he's uncovered, uh, that documents, without a doubt, that at least in 2007, the date of these documents, the OTO, the, the headquarters of the, the, the OTO there in Arkansas, uh, declared that Damon Eccles was a member. They named a library after him. There can be no doubt that at least on that date, he was a member of that group, and he was, a, what is that called, a Thelmalite? Thelmite, sorry, I had you muted. Oh, that's Thelmite, sorry about that. Thelm, whatever it is, man. Okay. He was one of them, okay. I think it's Thelemite, so it's Thelemite, Thelemite, Thelemite. Thelemite, okay, we'll be right back after these messages. 
Okay, we are back with the Opperman Report. I am your host, private investigator at Opperman. Um, this is, show is brought to you by Audible.com. You go to Audible Trial front slash Opperman Report. Get yourself a free audio book. You sign up for free. It's all free. Just want to point out too, we just played some commercials. I'm going to be re-recording those ads. Uh, so if anybody wants to sponsor the show and get your ad played on the show, this is a great time to do it. You know, and save me some time and work because uh, we're uh, good old essentially uh, Tammy there. Um, uh, has gone uh, into a different kind of business now. She's no longer selling the essential oils. Uh, she did so great. by uh, Once she got all this publicity on the Opperman Report, she was bought out by the uh, Oil of Olay company and they bought her for a million dollars. Well, I don't know what happened with her business yet, but she's no longer in business. Uh, so, uh, But if you want to advertise, get a hold of me at oppermanreport at gmail.com. But we're here with William Ramsey. He's the author of um, Abomination, Devil Worship, and deception in the West Memphis Three Murders. And he's uncovered some incredible information in the last 24 hours. All these years I've been dealing with these nuts, man, from Usenet back in 1996. And, uh, oh, every time you mention about the, the, the drinking, the blood, and the Satanism, it's all, oh, yeah, he's a wolf man, too. Oh, ho, 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 yeah, he's a werewolf. And all these stupid jokes that they've been doing for years. But here we have it. Here we have the proof. Uh, the man's been donated. There's a library in his name. Uh, he's a member of the OTO, and he's a member of this group down here in Arkansas. They have glowing terms. They talk about how he's a brother and a member and all this kind of stuff. Uh, if any of Damien Eccles, his attorney or his representatives or his publicist or any of his uh, uh, or, uh, legitimate uh, army of a PR team over there wants to come on the show and explain this, hey, come on, I'll, I'll talk to you about this. Let's talk about it. Maybe it's a big mistake. Maybe it's a, a typo, and it wasn't Damien Eccles. It was Damien Eckler. It was a different guy altogether, okay? But all things a big confusion. But uh, so if you want to come on, fine. I, I'll have you on, uh, and you can explain this. Uh, but otherwise, uh, Damien Eccles has been caught in a huge lie that's been going on for about 18 years, denying that he's been involved in the occult, denying he's involved in Satanism, denying he's a supporter of Crowley, denying he's a member of this group. And now we have the documents from the group themselves, okay? I'm not saying this. William Ramsey's not saying this. The group themselves is saying he's a member and that they named his uh, their library after him. So, now, uh, uh, William, you had some recordings there uh, that you were playing for me um, that demonstrates. Uh, Eccles on the stand? Yes. I mean, I can play it again if you like. Yeah, do it. it goes about, if they ask about Crowley and everything, so let's just go forward here. This is uh, Prosecutor Brent Davis. And... He also had writings that indicated that children were the best type of human sacrifice, correct? Yes. But Alice for Crowley doesn't have any particular significance to you. I know who he is. I've read a little bit about him, but I've never read anything about him. Let me show you copies of documents. Do you recognize that? Yes. What is that? Um, it was this paper I had on uh, different alphabets, for, like translations where you could write things that nobody could read, and this was one of the forms. Okay. Where did you have that at? Where did, when did you do that, write those things out? Sometime before I was arrested, I guess. Are you sure that you hadn't done those since you were arrested while you have been signing the jail? I don't know, I might have. Well, what, whose names are written on that document? Mine, Jason's, my son's, um, Alex's, Aleister Crowley. Wait, wait, who? 
Alistair Crowell. This is a document that you Is that why would he feel then if he's so innocent? Why would he feel the need to lie about that? Uh, William Ramsey, um, yeah. have you studied the work of Alistair Crowley? Yeah, I've studied most of it. I mean, See that? Uh, yeah. so you don't I think that that was that was kind of what I was curious about when I found out his effect upon the 20th century and the people in the 20th century. I wanted to know what he had written, not from some biography, but from his original writings. So that's really what I did. And, you know, reading what he actually wrote and compiled uh, is a lot different than reading it from a biography. And it's very interesting that you didn't feel the need to lie about that, did you? No. Yeah, no. see? Yeah, it's, it's funny. When you're innocent, you don't need to lie. Yeah, and I've got actually, if you go to my uh, YouTube site at Cold Investigations, I actually have a video called The Lies of Damien Eccles. And you can just show him lying over and over to people who didn't know how to come back with his lies. They didn't know the actual facts. So he has been caught in so many lies, it's incredible. Well, I also heard from an, another guy who did some work on uh, wrote a book that uh, when he tried to contact his PR team, that they was, it was very controlled. Uh, but, but, but like I said, you know, if Damien Eccles or his PR team or anybody, his lawyers, uh, want to contact us, we'll be happy to talk to them. And they can explain this, yeah. and then we'll be happy to talk to them. I actually just posted, or, uh, posted something about his, uh, his PR team, this guy named Lonnie Sori, who is... Uh, really a well-paid uh, guy from New York is his PR guy. And right. um, he's written some pretty interesting things, admitting that his pressure, you know, his involvement and the pressure that he put on uh, the prosecutors in Arkansas had an effect, you know. And I think that that, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting that, uh, you know, pretty interesting that he would actually admit that he had an influence upon the court case. Yeah, that, um, is, that is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. this is what Ellington, Ellington said. I'm sorry, he says, he was a machine. He was constantly bringing up, asserting that you have to have DNA to find these guys guilty. And that's kind of like one of their talking points of why they're innocent, is there's no DNA. Um, but, you know, it's not really that necessary, considering that they had tons of confessions. But, <laughs> I know. Uh, it, just show, it just says, like, and Ellington said also, Lonnie Sori poisoned the jury pool. You know, so you see a lot of people who don't look at this case don't know that there was a PR team involved in shaping the public opinion and the opinion of uh, the legal professionals in Arkansas. And I think that it goes back to, show, you know, that most people can't believe that these guys raised, West Memphis 3 raised somewhere between 10 and $20 million for their defense. That is so much money. They bought the best of everything, the best PR, the best attorneys, the best manipulation you don't know what's going on behind the scenes either why these people change opinions why all this stuff happened but you can it can be explained by the involvement of massive stacks of money now let me ask you this now at the time when, when we heard Eccles voice there when he was sitting on the stands uh, and he was denying uh, being a follower of Alistair Crowley now we know for an absolute fact right now that he lied about that because we have the documents from the group themselves Correct. at the time uh, he was also involved in some other activity, like uh, with the dogs. He had the dog skulls. Uh, he was involved in drinking blood. Admitted, self-admitted. And you can see that on uh, Cold Investigation. Yeah. At the time, he admitted to drinking blood. At the time, he admitted to having these dog skulls and, and uh, 
and a rat skull, and a, I think a cat skull. So he had these animal skulls. There were other accusations about him stomping on Doberman pinchers and all kinds of stuff like that. Now, did, did the the fire setting the fires? Did he admit to setting the fires, or was that proven? Or I don't know if he ever admitted it, but other witnesses said he had set fires, and he actually had got in the center of a fire he made in somebody's garage. He burned down a garage and then said some kind of satanic prayer. But uh, I don't know if that was ever verified in court, but that was definitely in a, in a police statement. So now, if we know for an absolute fact that he lied about being a follower of Crowley, and he's currently a follower of Crowley, and at the time he was drinking blood, wouldn't it seem to make logical sense that he would currently also be drinking blood? Yeah, I, I, I would assume that he's doing the same things. You know, he had admitted in his Exhibit 500, which is the psychological record that his defense team got together to try to uh, save him on appeal, he admits in there that he drinks blood from other people to gain power. Um, so if he's still heavily involved in the, in the occult, I assume that he is still engaging in all these practices that he used to do before he was arrested. Right. And that's important to remember. This Exhibit 500 was his mental evaluation because he had been uh, institutionalized at a mental institution because his parents were afraid of him. Correct. So he had actually been in three different mental institutions, one in Oregon and two stays in the ones in Arkansas. And the records are all there. They, they're, it's called Exhibit 500 because there's 500 documents in the exhibits that his own defense team collected. And it's very telling about his personality. It has just so many um, third-party statements about his occultism, his blood drinking, his moods and his mentality and... Uh, you know his 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 aggressive ideations. It's uh, it's pretty damning. I cover it. Uh, I try to cover it thoroughly in uh, Abomination, and it seems like everybody who's a supporter wants to hide that under the rug and not admit that it's real or anything. Oh, or, or that he was just a, a a troubled teen. You know, he, he was a poor. And I, I actually read one time. I just wanted to put my arms around him and hug him. You know. Because uh, he was just a poor, troubled teen who was going through some teenage angst, you know. When, when I, think, I think that the evidence shows, the record shows that these guys had all, Jesse Muskelly, Jason Baldwin, and him had all been under police um, and some kind of police involvement prior to the murders. Uh, Jesse had been, I think he had punched somebody. Baldwin, it was a shoplifter. And Eccles had ran away with a girl, and he was under probation. So... You know, these guys were, I think the record shows very clearly that they were troubled kids from a very um, unstable personal background. Now, also, too, there was a police report where Dominique Tier, his girlfriend at the time, uh, also claimed that uh, she drank blood and her mother drank blood and they all drank blood and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, you know, it shows to me that there was a lot of occult activity um, going on uh, in that in that West Memphis environment, that a lot of people were involved in these you know cult ritual activities. I would say so, but and and, and the only thing that these supporters, these fans of the of these three confessed convicted child killers, uh, can come up with is that oh well this one's lying, that one's lying. They were all lying. Every single person in that town lied. Yeah, it's incredible. And you know, when you go back, you know, you I looked at these things at first blush, but then I went into the court records that are available at CallahanAK.com, and it just shows so many people from so many different el uh, paths of life, can, you know, gave their input to police and talked about it. I have the 
uh, police statement of Alvis Clem Bly, who was involved with these guys. He has no I- interest in really damning them, and he told the whole story. And you can listen to, to it on Cold Investigations on YouTube. You can hear the statement of the confessions of Jesse Miss Kelly after he was, you know, after he was convicted. There's uh, one other ones. I think it's Chris Luttrell. Well, let's who, stop for a second. Let's stop at Jesse Miss Kelly. Because uh, now one thing is uh, this whole myth about how, um, well, they were just odd kids wearing black and listen to listen to Metallica, and they stood out. They stuck out in this because this town was like Mayberry RFD. It was this little tiny Southern Bible Belt. Uh, and uh, when they said that to Jesse Miskelly's dad, Jesse Miskelly Sr., he says, what are you talking about? All those kids look like that. They all dressed like that. So it wasn't three kids who stood out. Every kid in that town was looked just like every kid in my town <laughs> in yeah, 19, you know, whatever that was. Right. Yeah, we all did. Okay. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's just something that they use to deflect somebody from looking at it. In greater detail, I think. But William, and it's been effective. I mean, poor Jesse Miskelly. Uh, he has a, a mental. Uh, uh, he's a uh, has an IQ of was what, what is it four? <laughs> yeah, it, it keeps going down. It keeps getting lower. Yeah, seventy. Then it's sixty-two. I think and, it's, uh, it's negative. It's going to be negative in a couple of years. But they uh, tested him. The documents are online, and it's pretty clear that the police tested him, and he had an IQ of eighty-eight. So he's not the brightest uh, bulb, you know. But he he's not. Um, I mean, you can listen to his. You can listen to his confessions, and they're pretty clear. And they they, they verify post post conviction what he said pre conviction. You know, it's all fairly similar. And uh, you know, people just created this myth of an effective myth, just saying that they were coerced and they're nonsense. But they they don't even try to um, acknowledge the fact that he confessed post post uh, conviction. Oh, many times, yeah. Oh, boy. I mean, it's just an amazing case, too, because so many people just uh, ignored it. You know, Mara Lever was the journalist of record in this case, and she had actually talked to Eccles about his interest in the Encyclopedia of Witchcraft. And, uh, you know, but she never really included a lot of that stuff in her so-called, you know, seminal book, Devil's Knot. You know, it kind of like the title references the devil, but she never really covered it for some reason. And it's this the same thing with a lot of the Paradise Lost movies. I mean, they addressed it in the first one, but in the second and third, they really let made it vague, and they really gave the convicts a uh, place to kind of wiggle out of, you know, the damn the, the the damning conviction of the of the first case. But uh, it's uh, it's really amazing uh, how many people of note, you know, referenced the case, but just didn't really seem to core in on or hone in on the core occultism that was involved. Now, uh, you, you talk about the movie Devil's Knot. Um, it's interesting that uh, in that movie that just came out with um, uh, Reese Witherspoon, right? Colin Firth, like huge names, A-listers. Yeah. Now, um, in that movie, they, they kind of point the finger at a, a friend of mine, uh, Terry Hobbs, uh, who was, uh, you know, I've talked to this man off the air, I've talked to him on the air, I've spent hours talking to this guy, chatting back and forth on Facebook, and they point the finger at him, Right. Right. But in the book, did they point the finger at uh, Terry Hobbs in the book, or were they pointing it at someone else? Uh, they weren't. And the devil's <laughs> not. They definitely were not pointing it at Hobbs. The, the real suspect, you know, after 1996, was one of the other stepfathers. It was uh, Byers, right. John Byers. So that was it. And at some point, they just switched it. Once they got a really credible team of uh, lawyers and PR people, it became uh, Terry Hobbs. But it's kind of interesting that here you have a book that's pointing toward uh, buyers, 
Well, I, I don't believe you know had anything to do with this either. It's ridiculous. Uh, but because of the popular opinion now is to crucify and attack Terry Hobbs, that they changed the movie. <laughs> it's incredible. It, it I mean, is absolutely have, incredible. Yeah, in Paradise Lost too, you have, and you can see this on a cold investigation. You have both Eccles and Baldwin saying with a hundred percent certainty that John Mark Byers did it. Yeah. So they've changed their perp. You know, and that should tell you everything you need to know, almost everything you need to know about that case. If the guilty are blaming two different people, that, I mean, you can kind of, uh, that should give people with uh, some critical skills enough to know that something's very wrong. You know. Ah, And the whole Hobbs thing is really, it's not plausible at all. You have to believe, well, first it was Hobbs, and then it was Hobbs and his friend and two other kids. Have you heard the four perp story with Hobbs? Never heard the four per. You know, so yeah. supposedly four of them were together. But uh, you know, the the thing about Hobbs is that you have to assume that Hobbs was at the murders, was able to get in the water, get muddy, get sweaty, and walk around and with other twenty other people who were looking for the children that evening, convince them all that he he wasn't involved, and then go home and sleep with the mother of one of the dead children for ten years, and she never let on for that whole ten years. You know, it's just not plausible. It's not believable. Yeah, yeah. And, and some of these Hobbs theories are so incredibly ridiculous. Uh, uh, something about a tunnels that the kids were uh, um, uh, fascinated with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So they went down into sewers. You know, it, it's just oh. the, the insanity by these... The four, the four Hobbs, the four people with Hobbs story is actually kind of... They actually said they were having... One of the theories is they were having homosexual relations in the forest and the three boys that happened upon them and that's why they found and drowned them so that's just a total joke too yeah it's it's just so bizarre and and, you know and you you look you look at this stuff and you think okay well back in 96 97 you know they didn't have these tv shows like you know the next 48 hours where you can watch people get uh you know police investigate a case you can watch this stuff and you can see what a police interrogation looks like and you can see if you watch that show the next 48 hours you know you can right. see that almost every single defendant who gets, and, and the witnesses too, they got IQs way lower than uh, Jesse Miskelly. <laughs> you know, they make Jesse Miskelly look like a bright kid. You know, so, yeah. you know, and you can see now there's no excuse today. You can see what confessions look like. You can see what police investigations look like. You know, uh, but they, they come up with these bizarre theories that, that convoluted, that have to twist everything around 180 degrees in order to come up with any other possible suspect uh, that could be then the three guys who have admitted to several people in their life what they've done. Admitted, who were seen in there at the night of the murders, who alibis they didn't have. Baldwin doesn't have an alibi. In court, he couldn't come up with an alibi. Every polygraph would have to be inaccurate. Every polygraph would have to be 180 degrees in reverse. Every, yeah. You know what I mean? The, well, Eccles took a polygraph, too, and he failed his polygraph and then immediately lawyered up. Like, on the record, he says, let me talk to He says, to the, after he failed the polygraph, he says to the police, let me talk to my mom and then I'll tell you everything. Right. So he says that. He's about to convince. They say, he's, they ask him a question, what are you afraid of? He says, I'm afraid of the electric chair right after um, his polygraph, and this is in the book, he goes and talks to his mom and then clams up. So why did he have to talk to his mom? But, you know, it's it's just... And then they lawyered up. Yeah. Not only did they clam up, he got a lawyer immediately, like somebody who really had to defend himself, you know? Uh, so it's... it's uh, all, the, all those facts are in there, and they're all 
things that the supporters uh, fail miserably at uh, recognizing. It's amazing. Yeah, the book is uh, Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders. Uh, our guest today is William Ramsey. He's the author of that book. He just uncovered some documents, which is, in my opinion, the smoking gun as far as the Satanism and the occult activity uh, with these characters, these confessed murderers, um, these, these these confessed killers who pled guilty. Okay, uh, and uh, anybody from going forward, if you're going to come out and say, "Well, Crowley's okay," ah, you know, okay, okay, well now he's okay. He's a we admit it. Uh, he's a follower of Crowley. Uh, but still, he's okay, you know. Uh, so that's where we are now uh, with this story. That's where we get into. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think that that is a really uh, very important piece of the entire puzzle. It fits so many other elements of the case together, and it shows that. I mean, there it begs other questions too. Like, what if you are friends with a secret society? What other right. elements of the case are these secret societies involved in? You know. Intimidation? Are you paying people off? Are you telling false stories? I don't know, but it kind of uh, sheds light on to you know. There's clearly some other things going on in this case that are very that don't happen in other criminal cases. This is a very unique case in so many ways. Well, okay, we, we did an hour. Do you have anything else you want to uh, get out there? Um, um, you know, I'm just working on finishing up on my next book, so I'll have that hopefully done. Like, I'm at page 400. I said when I hit 400, I'm going to start editing. So I'm there at that point, so hopefully I'll have it out uh, by the end of the month. So it's called, title is Children of the Beast, and it's the people that, you know, Crowley has influenced, people that we've talked about tonight, whether it's Kenneth Anger or Kinsey, um, but also Leary. You know, Timothy Leary was a big proponent of Crowley's ideas. Jimmy Page. So I'm going to be covering all those people in detail. Hubbard as well. Um, I think in ways that haven't really been reported. So I think uh, people will find it interesting. Well, you know what I found out too recently was that uh, Timothy Leary was a member of the Finders. Really? Oh, yeah, man. Oh. Yeah. Really? Do you know that he was, a, he was a member of the Illuminates of Thanateras? No, I don't know who that group is. Yeah, that was kind of like a follow-on by, uh, oh, no. The guy's name is Carol, C-A-R-R-O-L-L, um, who... Uh, wrote a book called Chaos Magic. So these, it's kind of like a little Illuminati group. Um, my understanding is there were people who didn't want to join up with the OTO, uh, so they kind of had a more loose, less hierarchical system. But yeah, he's an admitted member of that. So if he's a member of the Finders, that's creepy too. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it admitted. He, he admitted it. Yeah, the Finders are really deep. I mean, so he he probably had associations with all kinds of secret societies. And so, you got to remember too, with Larry, he was the guy was out on bail. The, his entire public career, the guy always had a case pending. Uh, you know, there's no way on earth this guy was not uh, some uh, informant, operative, you know, asset. Well, his wife is a known informant, so I mean, right. like his third wife, I forgot what her name is. But yeah, I mean, it's his his whole his whole life. I mean, he started off at Harvard, and he had a very important um, he had a very important meeting with. Aldous Huxley, where they I mean, I have that discussion in my book where they're talking about what they should do with LSD, you know, and uh, Huxley thought it should, like a t typical elitist, he thought it should be, you know, kept out, kept, uh, you know, within a select group of educational people and so forth, educated people, and Larry was like, I'm going to be the Pied Piper of it, so it's pretty interesting. 
Yeah, I, I got I, I got a feeling that uh, uh, Larry was an asset from the very start, and the whole thing was an operation. Uh, do you uh, read uh, Dave McGowan's book? Uh, uh, Weird scenes in the uh, yeah. Laurel Canyon one. Yeah, yeah. I what, what do you make? I think it's legit. Yeah, I think most of that stuff's good. I actually have a signed copy, believe it or not. Ah, very nice. Okay. So um, I went to his book signing, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a good book. I mean, I think I would definitely recommend any book by him. Yeah. I, you know. Definitely, uh, great research. Oh. Now, now he, he did. We, we we all did a show together. What am I talking about? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we were on the air together. Okay. Now, what about um, uh, where can people find you and and your videos, man? People have to really realize that uh, William Ramsey's videos on the West Memphis Three, I think, are, are stellar uh, and and top notch. So, where can we find your videos, your website? So the videos are all at Cold Investigations on YouTube. So you go to YouTube, look into Cold Investigations. I have some videos about other people as well, but you can go through all. I challenge anybody to look at all my videos and say that they're innocent. Yeah. Uh, looking at the facts, you know, because I think that the facts show that they are the proper perps. Um, but uh, and all my books are, are on available on Amazon and Kindle uh, as we speak. Yeah, and I got the links to your books on my blog, the Operant Report blog. Uh, links to these scan documents, which are, is incredible work, man. Rim, uh, uh, William, I take my hat off to you. Uh, that oh, thanks. Was, appreciate it. That was great work, my friend. Okay, nice. so uh, I guess we'll, this will be the end of the show. Uh, All right, man. That's, uh, let's keep in touch. I'll, 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 when I finish my book, I'll let you know. Thank you. Oh, you, you got an open invitation, man. Anytime right, you, man. Awesome. You, come, you come right back. Nice talking to you again. Always good to be on your show. Thank you, brother. All right, man. Good night. Good luck. Cheers.